The reading today comes from the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with verse 27. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So in this morning's service, uh, as part of the offertory song, they played a song called "In the Mo- Give Me Jesus. Give Me Jesus. And here are the words to the, this particular song. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Just before the break of day, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. And when I come to die, Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord God, here we are 2,000 years plus later and still proclaiming, still asking, still pleading for you to give us Jesus. In this moment, O oh God, give us Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts proclaim Jesus. And may you be pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're going we're gonna to talk about what it means to live into our call to be a witness, Right? What does it mean to say that we are witnesses of Jesus Christ? As followers and believers of Christ, we're called to be a witness of Christ. And what exactly does that mean? And I think before we can answer that, we need to look and see what exactly a witness is, right? How do you witness? When Diane and I had our fourth child... Hannah, who's sitting right there, and they always hate when I do that, but she's sitting right there. Um, I panicked. We were pastoring a small little church here in San Antonio uh, called El Buen Samaritano, tiny little church off of Proband and Otis. 
And so we, we had Hannah, and, and I woke up one morning, and I said, oh, Lord, I have four kids. I don't have any health insurance for them. I, 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 Diane can't work. She's got to stay home. I got to get a better job. And so I talked to my district superintendent, and, and we worked an arrangement out. And so I was able to get a job uh, that I thought was going to be a great job. I was going to be a licensed claims adjuster for the state of Texas. Now, those of you who have dealt with claims adjusters probably don't have a good feeling about them, especially if they've totaled your vehicle, right? And the value doesn't come in. It rarely comes in with what you expect. So anyway, I take this job, and I learn that my biggest responsibility is to determine, determine liability in accident cases, to determine liability in accident cases. And, and sometimes that's really clear cut. It's real easy. We know who's at fault. And sometimes a person will even say, I'm at fault. It's my fault. I wasn't paying attention, and, and I'm sorry. That's why I have insurance. But sometimes, in intersections especially, it's a little difficult. It's a little more difficult to determine who's at fault. <clears throat> it wasn't uncommon for both parties to say, I had the green light. I was like, well, what do I do? They both say they, they have the green light. Well, the procedures were to ask, is there a witness who can substantiate what you're saying? Was there somebody else besides you who saw this accident unfold? And sometimes the answer was, yeah, here's their name, here's their number. They'll, they'll tell you exactly what happened. Most of the time, there wasn't, because nobody wanted to get involved, right? <laughs> no, that's not my problem. And so typically what they would say was, well, no, but I have a police report, and the police report says that the other person's at fault. And so my next question would be was, oh, okay, was the police officer present? Was he or she there to see the accident? Well, no, he, he just took the report. And I would say, well, basically what the police officer did did was write down what you told him or her and said, this is what happened. And, it, and then would do the same thing with the other person. So the police officer wasn't a good witness because he wasn't present. He didn't, she didn't see the accident unfold, just heard the narrative and wrote it down word for word. Needless to say, people would get upset, call me names, some of them not very nice. And I would sit there and say, why am I doing this? But that's the, that's the process of an accident, is to make sure there's a witness who can corroborate what's going on and share that with you. A witness is someone who sees what has happened, who, who has been impacted by what has happened, and shares that with those around them. That's what we're going to talk about today, being good witnesses. Now, granted, none of us were around, or at least I don't think any of us were around when Peter was giving this speech, right? We were not there to, to, to see Jesus walking the face of the earth. And so we don't have that firsthand account of what happened. But we all have 
an experience with Jesus. We've all encountered the risen Lord in some way or another, in one way or another. And so that's where we give our testimony. That's where we, our witness comes from, our own interactions with the risen Lord. And so this morning, we're going to look at this passage just a little bit closer and see what's going on and then see what it means for us here today. So here we are in, in Acts chapter 5, and Peter and the apostles have been brought before the leaders for telling their story about Jesus. They're, they're in the presence of the religious leaders, and they're about to get it. They're about to pay a price for telling their story. Because remember, this is a little bit after Jesus was, was uh, uh, crucified, resurrected, and ascended, and the Holy Spirit has come down, and, and Jesus has commanded his, his apostles, his disciples, that now that I'm leaving, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be telling people about me. And so that's what they're doing. They're starting their mission here in Jerusalem, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and they're dragged into court. They're dragged into the religious leader's presence for what they're doing. Now, if we were to read the, the verses prior to verse 27, we would find out that they were already doing that and had been locked up in the public jail. They were already in trouble, and they were locked up. And then in the middle of the night, it says the angel of the Lord came and released them. Even though the doors were still locked and the guards were still in position, they were now no longer in the jail. They're in the courtyard, and they're continuing to preach. I don't know about you, but if the angel of the Lord had released me, I'd probably have taken off and said, I'm getting out of here. But no, they went back to the courtyard to continue witnessing, to continue giving their testimony. And so the next morning when the leaders wake up to continue uh, uh, grilling them, continue uh, talking to them and, 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 and seeing what's going on, they're not in the cell. There's nowhere to be found. And the jail guards and the captain of the guard says, they were here, the guards are still here, we don't know how they got out. And then somebody says, they're in the courtyard, and they're preaching again. And so they send the captain of the guard and the jail guards to go get them, and they drag them back in. And said, so, didn't we tell you not to do this? Didn't we tell you to stop? And Peter, think about this for just a minute. Peter, the one who weeks previously denied Jesus three times. But the boldness of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit says, we are here to obey God and not human authority. You can tell us till we're blue in the face, till you're blue in the face, we're going to continue to give this testimony. We're going to continue to share this witness about the risen Lord who has been crucified, who died, who buried, and now is alive. 
we're going to continue giving our witness for everything he's done, everything he's doing, everything he's yet to do. We will be his witness. And they're getting ready to, to kill these guys. In fact, that's what it says. They wanted to kill them. If we read past verse 32, they're angry. They're upset. They're ready to put them to death, just like Jesus. <coughs> and then one of their leaders, a more pragmatic, rational man, says, my friends, brothers, listen. We've had people like this come through Jerusalem before. And they fall away. Listen here. If this and if these men are not of God, it'll die off. There's nothing to worry about. But it, if it is of God and if they are of God, there's nothing we can do to stop them. And my friends, isn't it glorious to know that 2,000 years plus we're still talking about Jesus because Jesus, in fact, is the Son of God and His message is of God and that's why we're here today to give testimony and to witness to that truth that Jesus is alive, that Jesus lives that Jesus reigns with the Father here and now. And we're called to share that. And so how do we give our witness? How do we give our testimony about how Jesus has impacted us, how Jesus has transformed our lives? Because, my friends, that's good news if that indeed has happened to you, if you have experienced the transformational power of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's good news. And I don't know about you, but when I have good news, I want to tell somebody. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it with somebody. <coughs> Let them know. That's what we're called to do as we live in to our call to witness. So again, the question is, how do we do that? What does that look like? It takes many shapes and forms. It can look like a whole bunch of things. But I think Audrey said it best. It comes down to simply sharing the love of God with others. And that can be simply being a shoulder to cry on. That can be a person being present when someone's going through grief. That can be sharing a smile with someone who's having a bad day. That can be letting somebody know who's not feeling very well that they matter that they're created in the image of God and they matter, they're important, God loves them and because God loves them, we love them. 
It's as simple as that. Maybe God's calling you to something different. Maybe God's calling you to stand on bassy and, and tree line and, and, and stand on a, a, a little wooden pulpit and, and preach the word. If that's what he's calling to you to do, then I say do what Peter says, obey God. But I bet God is just calling you to share the love and compassion of Jesus with others, to reflect his love with those who need to receive it. Who needs to receive it? Each and every one of us. Each and every person we encounter would benefit from knowing Jesus. And then, it's not just us singing in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world has to offer. Just give me Jesus. My friends, that's the message we have to share. To carry out that commission of sharing the good news in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Well, let's make that a little more clearer for us to understand. To carry out in San Antonio, in Texas, in the USA, until the ends of the earth. In the morning, give me Jesus. 2,000 years plus, we're still calling for Jesus. And that's a witness that continues to live. Amen.